Welcome to Irish Passport. Uh, let's do it. Welcome to the Irish Passport. I'm Tim McInerney. I'm Naomi O'Leary. We're friends. Can you Naomi? Anwar Fad Tim. This is your passport to Irish culture, history and politics. Uh-huh. I'm recording. One, One two, two, three. three. Okay. Hello and welcome to Half Pints, the bonus episodes of the Irish Passport podcast we make specially to thank our supporters on patreon.com forward slash the Irish Passport. In this episode, I'm delving into some of my reporting from the last 18 months on Ireland's housing crisis and deeply unequal tech boom to give some context on a key issue of the election, housing. A couple of polls have shown the left-wing Sinn Féin party enjoying a surge of support ahead of the election. In fact, one poll by Red Sea and the Business Post showed Sinn Féin to be the most popular party among the under-40s. Among under-35s, Sinn Féin had twice the support of any other party. It showed health and housing to be the most important issues to voters and that young people thought Sinn Féin was the best choice to tackle the issues. Meanwhile, among older voters, support seems to have sapped away from Fine Gael on the issues of health and housing too, but towards their old rivals Fianna Fáil. Fianna Fáil have promised to build social and affordable housing, cut construction costs, increase spending to reduce homelessness, and introduce incentives and disincentives to encourage the conversion of empty properties into homes. If the polls are right, the sapping of support for Fine Gael particularly over this housing issue, will make it difficult for Taoiseach Leo Varadkar to win a second term. So what's behind this striking trend? Taoiseach Leo Varadkar has admitted his government failed to get a grip on the housing crisis, which sent rents soaring, put the hope of owning a home out of reach for many, and caused record homelessness. Young people have been particularly affected, and the effects can be profound. Without a decent place to live, a growing economy doesn't really mean very much. In this election, Sinn Féin have built on an anti-austerity image they fostered during the bailout years to position themselves as a radical change to the status quo of Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. They have also made the eye-catching promise of the largest public housing building programme in the history of the state. Some stories I have come across over the last 18 months have painted Ireland, and particularly Dublin, as almost like a tech dystopia a place where whole chunks of the streetscape disappear overnight to be replaced by shiny co-working spaces and upscale cafes that sit jarringly beside derelict buildings and people sleeping rough. In this episode, you'll hear from a young guy who's technically homeless, but spends his days cycling from Airbnb to Airbnb, doing maintenance work on a zero-hours contract. You'll also hear from workers in the tech industry who went rogue due to their impression that the housing crisis was preventing them from building a future in Ireland. But first, take a walk with me around the streets of North Inner City Dublin. Here are some clips of a tour I did with the housing and homelessness charity, the Peter McVeary Trust. My guide was Aoife Corcoran, Empty Homes Coordinator with the charity, whose job it is to try to turn empty buildings into places to live. The aim of the tour was to highlight the painful phenomenon that even in the midst of a severe housing shortage, 
the city is thick with property left empty or half empty and in decline. Coming out on a very wet day. My name is Aoife Corcoran and I'm the Empty Homes Coordinator with the Peter McCreary Trust. So my job is to find vacant property around the country, research it, look, at, look into who owns it, find information about it and try to turn them around in terms of getting them on a lease for social housing for the Peter McCreary Trust or to try to buy them up, renovate them and turn them into social housing. We set off from our meeting point near the Liffey and headed in towards Abbey and Capel Street. Almost immediately, the deep dysfunction of the housing market became clear. All along the streets of the inner city, the upper stories of the shops were largely empty, with the occasional building that was wholly vacant. So you can just see the range of properties on one street. We go from a large vacant site, vacant properties, we have above the shop vacancy and that's just on one street in Dublin. So if we can multiply that even by 10 streets, we reckon there's about 40,000 empty homes in Dublin. We know there's 182,000 empty properties in the city but we reckon about 40,000, maybe slightly less at the moment. And we reckon in the city we could do this, the potential or there's a possibility of about 4,500 units of both shops. But if you even walk down Henry Street, walk down Henry Street and look up, what's up there? You know, is it just storage? Why do we not have a capital city where people live in the city centre like your other European capitals? We visited a whole series of grand red brick Georgian buildings across the north side, some of them with special historical significance that had been left to rot in the rain. There's all the plaster work has been stripped off, there's a hole in the roof, the stairs is extremely damaged. So we reckon the building's empty about 25 years. There were complex reasons for vacancy. In some cases, private owners hang on to a building for emotional reasons or as an investment, or because they've become unable to manage the building for some reason. In some cases, buildings are owned by corporations that bought them for a plan that they never carried out. Other times, vacancy is the long tail of the economic crash. A company or a person has gone bankrupt, and the properties they owned are frozen as a liquid assets in a forgotten portfolio with a complex ownership chain. The Fine Gael government tried to tackle the issue by bringing in an empty property levy in 2019, but Aoife said the process was tortured and described a situation where figuring out ownership is a labyrinthine puzzle and leaving properties empty is perversely incentivised. I spend a lot of time researching who owns a building and you, you, you know, I think you've hit the trump card and then you send a letter to them and sometimes those letters come back and they've just been posted back to you and not written on them. Sometimes they just come back because there's no one at that address that said address. Sometimes they don't come back, you don't get no response. So you may have spent weeks trying to track down an owner and information about them and then you just up against a brick wall so no one replies. So it's, it can be disheartening, it's very hard, but sure, look, as I said to you, it's working for the ones that you do find. Is it just too cheap to have a vacant property? Is that the problem? There's not enough stick yeah. and there's not enough carbon either. Like, you know? Imagine yourself as a young person in Dublin deprived of a home, and what's more, deprived of the hope in future of ever having a home. The city around you is a mix of decaying empty properties of obscure ownership and brand new shiny blocks of development, of the kind of building investors are willing to put money on, but that excludes you. Co-working spaces, top-end student accommodation aimed at international students, short-term lets and hotels. There was three derelict cottages on the side here. 
um, but they've been recently demolished because there is no plan permission for three separate hotels. Oh, wow. Okay, so two hotels and, and an apart hotel, and no plan permission for two hotels on that side. A hotel on this one, and to your right hand side is going to be a hostel here, a tourist hostel. So all these uh, buildings, or all these plan permissions have been granted now as of 2017 and 2018 to increase the hotel bed numbers in the city centre. So as you can see, we've got a boutique hotel, a 288-bed hotel, a tourist hostel, and three more hotels. So this is a, this is what we're up against, I suppose, in the Peter McRae Trust when we are looking for spaces in the inner city, uh, spaces for people to live and we can turn into homes. We're increasingly competing with people that are acquiring land. It's not just Aoife Corcoran who fears that short-term lets aimed at tourists are eating into the housing supply for Dublin residents. In late 2018, a graphic caught my eye on social media. It was a map of Dublin showing all the properties in the city currently advertised on Airbnb. The map could be searched by price and by owner. This revealed that one host had 45 properties to rent on Airbnb in central Dublin, potentially earning almost €7,000 a night in income. The map was called WhereBnB. It was created using publicly available data by a group of software developers in their mid-twenties and released into the wild online. The group posted something of a mission statement on Facebook. It read, As a group, we were viewing our prospects in Dublin as waning. The likelihood of owning a home in the near future, like our confidence in the Irish state and the renewed Celtic tiger, was fading fast. I met two of the group in Dublin, Computer science researcher Porik Rowley and developer and online marketer Sam Heavey turned out to be exactly the kind of highly educated young people Ireland's tech-heavy economic recovery is supposed to be all about. But what they told me didn't fit into that story. Here's Porik. So it's called Airbnb, and basically we visualise Airbnbs across Dublin along with census data and a few other things on a little web app just to kind of highlight kind of its over usage in Dublin, especially in a time of a housing crisis. And why are you doing that? Because uh, the housing crisis in Ireland is quite a severe problem that is fairly obvious to everyone and there's a lot of campaigns about it, but sometimes it's nice to just have hard facts. We're breached 10,000 homeless, as far as I remember. We have a heavily nucleated city, we have underfunding in uh, social housing, we have over cutting of tax breaks for landlords like the entire system is quite skewed the system is quite extreme basically when we went into our recession before we sold off all of our properties for really cheap prices to get out of a recession and they called it the miracle recovery and now we're sitting here with no property and vulture funds are going to make the government buy it back for extortionate fees and we're fucked our average age of buying a house was 29 like six years ago and now it's up to 33 or 32 I think which means that on an average like 29 30 year mortgage you'll be paying off your mortgage after retirement which just doesn't make fundamental sense because you will no longer be earning money yet you have to pay off your mortgage which means the the at retirement age is invalidated so it's a pretty crazy world <laughs> then when it came to Sam he told me he decided to pack it in altogether do you feel like you can afford a good place to live in Dublin right now no, not a chance. Um, if I'd have to get a mortgage, and the mortgage depends on your income and having a deposit. Uh, I'm actually I'm excited to move to London because my girlfriend's English uh, and she's living in London uh, because the cost of living is actually lower. Uh, the rent is about the same, if not a bit lower, but the cost to buy is a lot higher. But uh, you get higher wages 
uh, rent, rent and rates um, and like food, uh, internet, your utilities are all much cheaper. Not long after we spoke, the Irish government announced new restrictions on Airbnb amid growing concerns over its effect on the housing market. Pork and Sam were the first to admit that, despite their woes, they were among the lucky ones. They have choices, jobs, they have places to live, and primarily they're trying to escape being trapped in intergenerational inequality. But another young man I interviewed gave a very different perspective. To me, no one summed up more clearly the image of Ireland as a tech dystopia, a place that doesn't make sense. It's a place of multinational headquarters, a young and talented population, the fastest economic growth in Europe, and yet a place where the simplest things, like a warm place to sleep, cannot be guaranteed. This is John. It's a pseudonym. He described his job maintaining five-star ratings on behalf of a property management company in a sequence of Airbnbs and short-term lets, all while sleeping in an unoccupied property, officially registered as homeless. As a maintenance man for short-let properties and student-lets across the north inner city, he had an inside view of the reality of the housing crisis. From vacant buildings to two-bedroom apartments let out to as many as eight English-language students who rotate sleeping shifts. Let's hear from John. Okay, so first of all, can you just like tell us about your job? What's it like? Yeah, I work for an Airbnb and... At the moment I'm on call and I take calls to go to people's Airbnbs and to fix problems, general maintenance work, cleaning if it needs to be done, taking out bins and stuff. When you say you work for an Airbnb, it's like one company that has tons of Airbnbs that they're letting out, is that right? Yeah, yeah, so they manage them, like, like a letting agency, but not really a letting agency. It's, it's sort of in the middle ground, it's sort of in this grey area between letting agency and development properties. So can you describe like a typical day of work? Yeah, well I'd go in about 10 or 11 or whenever they needed me um, and some days I'd have 2 hours work 3 hours work, other days I'd have 12, 13 hours work um, I'd just take calls, I'd go to, go to wherever needs to be done and I knew some things needed to be done in certain places so I knew the bins needed to be taken out this day here or I knew that people needed to be let out and there's, there's all apps and emails that sent out to let you know where to be and where to go so Really, every day it was different, although it was the same, really. You were in different places, but it was the same stuff, more or less, every day. Well, you're meeting new people, and I, enjoy, I actually enjoyed it, to be honest, meeting new people and just talking to all the tourists and helping them out. And can you tell me a little bit about the properties? Like, what are they like and where are they? They're just apartments in the inner city. Um, it could be in the south inner city, the north inner city. Um, just very old properties, so over 50 years old, some of them Georgian. Old properties. All properties that people couldn't look after, so they they they, they gave they gave the running off to another place. And what are they like? Uh, how are they set up now? Oh, they're set up. Um, a double bed could have a, a room could have two double beds. You'd fit at least three people in a room. Whether that would be on a double bed and a single bed, three single beds, a bunk beds, single beds, it really depends. It really depends. And then you'd have the front room, the kitchen. But they'd work. They'd work their way. They'd work their way around. Sometimes most most rooms would have pull-out sofas and stuff. So a one-bedroom apartment would fit at least three or four people, considering there's a double bed as well in the in the sofa. And there's a crossover with student housing, isn't that right? How does that work? 
Um, they're the same properties. It's that, that's essentially it, and it's up to the people to, to decide whether they want to put it as for students or whether they want to rent it as normal or whether they want it for Airbnb. Uh, it would depend specifically on which company, but yeah, there is a crossover between student accommodation and and the Airbnb. But it's, it's like that with, with most properties, you, you wouldn't, like with any property, you couldn't tell if it's a family or a person or a tourist or a short-term let or a long-term let or uh, seasonal accommodation, so... But yeah, specifically, there is a crossover. Can you tell me a little bit about what, like you've observed, just going in and out of buildings in the inner city? Do you, do you notice a lot of vacancy on short-term rental, or what's the, what's the breakdown? Um, there is empty properties, but if there's an empty property, it's generally a whole building that's empty. Uh, you'd rarely get one room just empty in a building. If you had a building with one empty property, it would be very soon the people would put someone in it, whether it's uh, tourists or students or Airbnb or anybody that'll have it, because there's so many people. Uh, for one showing for an apartment, you'd have 10, 15 groups of people coming in the hour, you know, just constant, constant people constant people looking. And it's all students. It is all students. Um you would have empty properties, but they'd be full empty properties. It would be the whole building would be empty. So each building is different, but if there is a property with people in it, it will be full to the brim. If there is a property that's empty, it will generally be completely empty, the whole thing. And you mentioned there's a lot of students from South America. Can you tell me about that what you, and what you've noticed? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's just specifically South America or whether it's outside the EU in general, but you pay for a visa and you... In Dublin specifically, you can work and study. I'm not too sure about other EU countries, but uh, for an English-speaking country anyway, Dublin is a desirable place for people to come because it's English-speaking. And you can study and you can work. And what kind of places do these people live in? Six could live in a two-bedroom apartment. Seven could live... Six, seven, eight people could live in a two-bedroom apartment. Um, And they'd all be friends. They'd all know each other. Uh, you'd have more people living on sofas and they'd, they'd be working and they'd be in college so the apartments would just be a place for them to sleep they wouldn't be, be not actually living going on because uh, they're all stepping on each other's toes uh, that's from what I see anyway um, in, in the high density places in the north inner city and a typical rent for a place like that would be like maybe 1,500 a month, something like that? Or it could be five, it depends on the condition of the place, it depends on the location of the place. But at least 1,500, and that would be split between six, seven people, so they'd be paying, yeah, so 200, 300 each. Obviously, they'd be paying 100 a week, so it'd be six, yeah, so it would be even more. What about yourself? Can you tell me um, your own housing situation? Uh, yeah, I'm technically homeless, but I don't. I just live in someone's vacant property at the minute. Although I do know that people, it's not like I'm squatting or anything like that. But there is a. Um, I live in what's the technically vacant property at the minute as well. Um, so yeah, I don't have anywhere official to live myself. And how did it, how did you end up in that situation? I just couldn't live at home. In terms of the future, do you have sort of plans? Like, what would be your ideal? thing go like for, or are you just hoping to stay where you are for as long as possible I don't I can't plan too far ahead I cannot plan too far ahead so I keep it in the short term and the medium term to an extent once it gets to the long term things look a bit foggy so uh, I, I, I don't really have any long term plans aside from 
staying on my feet and not ending up on the streets, which I won't, which I won't. But uh, no, like I have a full life. I'm busy all the time. Like I study and stuff like that. So it's not a matter of not having anywhere to go. I will always have somewhere to go. Uh, but I know that's just me, and I'm just lucky in that regard because I just I know people and I have good supports around me and stuff like that, which other people don't. It's down to the social network that you have. Yeah, solely down to the social network that I have. And most people aren't that lucky. Can you tell me, like, um, your assessment of the, the the people you work for and the other other ones that do exactly the same sort of job? Do you think that they should be doing that? That's a difficult question. Should um, should probably not. No, but I don't think we sh- we can judge them. I don't think I can judge them, um, and I don't hold any judgments against them. Uh, that's just the way. That's just the way the system is set up at the minute, and that's just the way the cookie has crumbled. It's just fell into that place, and I think to judge them would be the, the wrong move. You know what I mean? I think it's what what they're doing, and the whole. I think most problems with like that are just like symptomatic, symptomatic rather than being the actual problem. I think um, I think the problem is much greater. So, should I think they should be doing it? No. Could the government regulate it? Oh, yes, they could. They could, and they probably should, but they need to be very, very careful about it. Because if you regulate one thing, it will have unintended consequences. And uh, the system is, is very complicated as it is. And by stopping one thing, you're just going to... Or putting a regulation on one thing, you're just going to open up a loophole somewhere else. So, is regulation the way to go? Probably. They just need to be very, very careful. And I don't have faith that that the government can do that, to be honest, at all. Finnegale's slogan for the election is a future to look forward to, building the Republic of Opportunity. Their manifesto promises tax subsidies for first-time buyers, and help with loans as a solution to unaffordability and says that the policies enacted so far mean that building has restarted in earnest and the housing crisis has turned a corner. But whether the electorate will believe them remains to be seen. That's all for this edition of Half Pints, the bonus content of the Irish Passport podcast we make specially to thank our supporters on patreon.com forward slash the Irish Passport. If you liked this episode, please do share it on social media or tell your friends. And don't forget to give us a nice rating and subscribe. Slum for now.